0: Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through chapter 12, verse 2. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever
1: Uh, and then we'll get into God's word. Lord, we uh, thank you so much just for um, your word. And the privilege that we have to, to read it and to, and to hear from it, to hear a word from, from you uh, this morning. I pray, God, that you make the words on these page come alive to us this morning. That the words of my mouth And the meditation on all our hearts would be pleasing to you, our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, By the way, Stephen, I love how like twangy your filler music is. I was like picturing this tumbleweed just going across in front of me. Um, Hey, how many guys uh, uh, remember... Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. How many of you guys remember uh, the, the, the game M.A.S.H. that you used to play when you were a kid, right? See, I grew up through the 80s. Uh, I think it was still around in the 90s. Some of you grew up in the 90s. Uh, uh, so some of you were ancient than that. Uh, I don't know if they had M.A.S.H. back then, but M.A.S.H. was this game that we played in the 80s. And it, it, it's, uh, it's sort of, sort of like horoscope shenanigans for kids. Right? Like it's a silly game that you play to sort of like predict your future. Right? And here's how you played it. You you, you got together a small group of friends, you grabbed a sheet of paper. And then a sharpened pencil, because that's what we had back then, right? We didn't have phones or tablets or anything like that. So you had paper and a pencil. And at the top you write MASH, M-A-S-H, at the top of the paper, which stands for, you guys remember, mansion, apartment, shack, house, Right? And so you'd list this at the top. And then in a single column down the paper, you then, uh, under that, you start to write, uh, if, if you were a guy, a few girls that maybe you would want to marry. Uh, if you were a lady, you would write a few guys that you'd want to marry. And this was, this was decades before I met the beautiful Alyssa Graham. Uh, now uh, Aly- Alyssa Pobletti, so that happened, right? Uh, but being an 80s kid, Back then, being an 80s kid, so I'd put down like Stephanie Tanner or that girl from from Labyrinth. Uh, maybe a girl from, from our class, and then one of your friends would put, for the fourth name, uh, the name of someone that you would never want to marry, like maybe some really annoying girl in, in the class, right? And then under that, you'd put a few jobs that you wanted. So I'd put, like, doctor and lawyer, of course, because, you know, the big ones, and then something cool, like an astronaut or a skateboarder, and then a friend would pick something horrible, something maybe, like, not that cool, uh, a job that doesn't make a lot of money, like, I don't know, maybe a pastor. Um... <laughs> And then lastly, lastly, uh, you would uh, list uh, the kind of cars that you'd want to drive, right? And so you pick like Porsche, Lamborghini, uh, this is the 80s, so you put down the DeLorean from Back to the Future, maybe the Batmobile, and then for the fourth one, a friend would put something lame like like a Ford Pinto or something like that, no offense if you've ever had a Ford Pinto, uh, but that was kind of like the go-to number four. Uh, and So you have this single column list with these four categories, uh, one on top of the other, your, your housing situation, your potential wife or husband, your, your potential job and, and car, uh, and then you'd hand the pencil to your friend to the right, and then that friend would, would make a spiral, this is how we played it, a, a spiral on the piece of paper on the back, and then until you said, stop. And the moment you said stop, they'd count how many rows from the center was to the end. And let's just say, uh, you know, you count the the, the rows in the spiral and it ends on five. You know, one, two, three, four, five. And then what you would do is you'd turn back over to the list and you'd start... Uh, 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 going down like one, two, three, four, five, and wherever it would land, you'd cross that off. So you'd go to number five. Okay, no Stephanie Tanner. Bummer, right? And then, then you'd start counting from from there, and then everyone would be like on the edge of their seat because you would you would do this until you had one listing in each of the categories, and you'd circle that last listing, and that would be like your predicted future, right? And everybody on the edge of your seat like, oh, is he going to get the Pinto? Right? And then you end up living in a mansion with a girl from Labyrinth working as an astronaut but driving a Pinto. Uh, and so you're bummed out. The game was so stupid, right? So stupid. I know it's just a game, uh, obviously, not accurate. Uh, scientists have proven that, uh, but there's a single question uh, that that, that those, those are the kind of questions that, like we, we, we kind of ask all all like when we're when we're little kids like what's our future going to be like what's what is what is uh, uh, what what are the cards I'm going to be dealt? And there's a single question uh, that's kind of uh, burning on our hearts and our minds uh, uh, that we want. To be able for that, I want you to be able to answer by the end of our short time together, and that is, What is God's will for my life this year? Like, truly, what is God's will for my life this year? What is God's will for me this year? That is the question that I want you to truly and biblically be able to have an answer to with real confidence from the scriptures. What is the answer to that question? And this question might be the most common question that we as Christians ask. What is God's will for me? What does he want me to do? This is the most common question we ask in some form or another, especially at the start of a new year, right? What is God's will for me this year? We ask so many related questions that are not explicitly answered in the Bible. And so we want to know, God, was your will for me this year? Some of the questions that we ask are small, like, like what should I stream on Netflix or Disney Plus tonight, right? What should I read this month? Where should we eat for dinner tonight? Some of our questions are a lot bigger than that, like, should I date right now? Who should I date? Will we go on a vacation this year? Should we purchase a home this year? Should I apply for that, that new job I just saw the listing for? It'd be really nice to know the answer to these questions, right? It'd be really nice to have a, a Bible verse that answers these kinds of questions, But there aren't and so we tend to come up with like these these methods, sometimes these spiritual methods to figure out the the methods to figure out the answer to these questions. It might not be like as silly as MASH, but sometimes even as grown up Christians we play similar games. We line up the categories of our lives, like our relationships, our friendships, our job, our location, our, our money, and we come up with these crazy methods that are a lot more spiritual than Nash, but maybe just as silly and just as unbiblical. There's a book called Follow Me by uh, David Platt and Francis Chan, and they have, uh, there's this one part where David Platt breaks down uh, some of these methods that we use, uh, some of these silly methods, and he talks about uh, like the random verse method right to where you sort of open up your bible thumb through the pages and put your finger down at random and and whatever whatever sort of like uh, verse that you 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 come down upon uh you just you just read it uh at the time of the offering of the oblation Elijah the prophet came near and said to the Lord uh o God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob let it be known this day that you are God cool Right? What does that mean? Right? But some of us, like, we, 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 we do this random verse method, method to where we try to figure out what is God's will for my life uh, this year. Or maybe you ask God for like a big miracle, right? Almost like a burning bush moment or, or like Isaiah uh, when, when he was uh, uh, in, the, in the temple seeing the vision of the Lord or like Paul being blinded uh, on the road. Problem with that was when was the last time God blinded you on the road, right? Like yes, we see instances of that in Scripture, but I mean it's only a few uh, comparatively instances like that in the Scriptures. It's not normative for a lot of us, right? Or there's like the coincidence method, to where maybe you 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 wake up in the in the middle of the night and you look at the clock and you're like whoa. It's 12.34, 1, 2, 3, 4. What does it mean? Then <laughs> you're on your lunch break the next day, and you look at the clock, and you're like, oh, my gosh, 1, 2, 3, 4. Again, what does it mean? And then later that night, you're like up late binge-watching some show, and you turn off the TV, and you're like, what, what time is it? And you're like, oh, my gosh. Tw- 1, 2, 3, 4, 12, 34, again, I, I know God's will for me. It must be something with counting, right? Or maybe it's like the open door, closed door method. Uh, this is probably the most common one where you, like, we say, like, hey, if a decision that I'm about to make, is if it seems easy, like if anything's lining up for me, then it must be God's will. If it looks too hard or difficult, then it must not be God's will. We use this language, this spiritual language, talking about open doors and closed doors. that You don't see anyone in the scriptures talking like that, but we we use this sometimes in Christian circles. Is God opening a door? Is He closing a door? This is the most common one and possibly the most dangerous method that we could use. Because in suburban America, we've created this version of Christianity that's so focused on our comfort and what's easy for us that we assume God would never call us to do something that's hard or uncomfortable or difficult. And some of us prefer just enough Christianity to where we sort of check off the spiritual box. But as soon as something fun comes up on a Sunday or you need to ask forgiveness from your spouse... Or you realize you might be ridiculed by your coworkers or your friends for your love for Jesus. Then we're like, you know, that's where we draw a line. But man, when you read the scriptures, when you read the New Testament, you really see that suffering and hardship and persecution and just hard stuff is often actually a big part of God's will for our lives. And a big part of his mission of the gospel. So we have all these well meaning but misguided ways of finding God's will. But what if, what if in the scriptures we see that the will of God was never meant to be looked for in that way? What if the will of God was never meant to be looked for and found in that way? What if God just wants to tell his children? What if he wants us to know his will, experience his will? And what if this whole idea of discovering God's will in reality just misses the point of what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus? So we're working primarily out of two verses in Romans chapter 12 where I want us to learn about how we can know the will of God for our lives this year and really any year. So let's read the two verses. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul the Apostle is writing a letter to the church in Rome, and he says to them, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I'll give you the main point right on the front end that we get from these two verses. Our main point for this morning is that when you walk with God and read His Word, He carries you into His will. When you walk with God and you read His Word, He carries you, He brings you into the center of His will, all for His glory and for the good of others. That is what we see in these two verses. And so let's unpack that, that statement. First, what does it mean to, to, to say walk with God, right? Like if we want to know God's will, first we need to walk with God. What do we mean by that? It means that we give him, we give God our, our hearts in worship, but we also give him our lives as disciples, we see this first in verse 1 when Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of, of, of God. Now, now uh, we need to ask first, what is this therefore, therefore? Right? You ever heard that? What is this therefore, therefore? Paul's saying, I appeal to, to you, therefore, in other words, in light of something that I just said, I'm appealing to you. I'm pleading with you, Paul says. What is he referring to? What did he just write about? What did he just expand on? He's talking about the good news, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done through his life, death, and resurrection. You see, in Romans chapter 1, All the way up to Romans chapter uh, eleven, where 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 we're right before uh, this the, the passage that we're reading. All up until this point, Paul has been going on and on and on, just meditating on and expounding on who God is and all that God has done for us in Jesus. He's expounded upon the gospel, the good news story of the Bible. And at this point, uh, well, well, actually at the end of chapter 11, as we read, he burst out in praise, doesn't he? In the end of chapter 11, he says, read verse 33 with me. He says, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. You know that friend you have that always sounds excited through text messages because of the generous amount of exclamation points they use? That's Paul right here. Look how excited he is. And the first word out of his mouth after expounding on the gospel for 11 chapters, the first word out of his mouth is, Oh, Oh, and it's not the kind of oh where it's like oh hey I forgot something. It's it's an ex- exclaimed oh. He's just oozing worship after writing Romans one through eleven. Basically, his whole systematic theology on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul in Romans eleven thirty three explodes in worship, and then in verse thirty six he says, "For from him, from Jesus." And through Jesus and to Jesus are all things to Him be glory forever. Amen. And then in chapter 12, our passage, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, in light of this gospel, That just made me spontaneously spew out an exuberant worship. In light of this gospel, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, Paul says, in light of this glorious gospel, present your bodies, which is a euphemism in in the first century church for for all of you, for your whole way of life. Present your bodies as a—and then he uses this funny phrase. He says, as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. Now, that would have sounded like a paradox to Paul's original audience in Rome, and that's kind of on purpose— you know what a paradox is? Paradox is when you take two things that don't seem like they go together, and you you place them together. And this this idea of living sacrifice is a paradox because for for his audience, when they when they saw the word sacrifice, they were thinking of like an animal that was killed and left on the altar. And so Paul says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. This paradox of life and death, which is the point that he's trying to drive home. He's saying in some sense, you live your life as a sacrifice to God because you put to death the old you. You can't be a sacrifice unless there's something in you that has died. And so if you want to follow Jesus and live in the will of God, there's a sense that you have to put to death Your right to live for your own comforts and for your own choices and desires. You see, Paul could have just said, live for Jesus, but he he said, be a living sacrifice. There's a part of you that has to go away, that has to die in order to be found in the will of God. But then on the other side of dying to your old self, there's also life. That's why he says it's a living sacrifice. Your living sacrifice. Also, see, under the old sacrifice system, the body of an animal was presented on the altar. It was killed and sacrificed. and, And that whole system was to help people see the greater significance of what Jesus would do as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That because Jesus died and rose, we can now have new life. And so we're not just a sacrifice, but we're, because of Jesus, a living sacrifice. John 14, Jesus is called the way, the truth, and the what? The life. Revelation 1, when we see the risen Jesus says, I am the living one. The living one. You might not be interested in religion or theology or churchly stuff this morning. But who doesn't want to live? Who doesn't want to live? And true living, the Bible says, is found in walking with God live being a living sacrifice. And then Paul says to live as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. He says as your spiritual worship, which is a way of saying as your true worship. You want to know what the will of God is? For you? It's that right there. God's will for you is to live for him with all that you are. You see, the will of God is always found within the context of actively walking with God. Paul says, hey, look, you do these things, you'll be able to discern God's will for your life. The will of God will always be found or discovered in the context of actively walking with Him. You see, when you walk in active obedience, God will direct your steps. When was the last time that you prayed, God, show me how to please you? We pray prayers like, God, what's what you will for me in this life? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I be with this person or that? What, What would you want me to do? But how, when was the last time that you prayed? God, would you show me? Would you reveal to me from your, make your word alive to me? Show me how to please you. The Bible is clear that this is at the center of God's will for us, our our active obedience in light of the gospel. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul puts it this way to another church. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Your sanctification, your growing in holiness. That's what sanctification means. Growing in what it means to be set apart by the Lord and for the Lord's purposes. That is God's will for you. You want to know what is the will of God? Your sanctification. There are things related to the will of God that the Bible is silent on, right? Like, especially in the minutiae details, there are things related to the will of God that the Bible is silent on, like whether you should have pizza or salad for lunch. Like, I don't need to read the Bible to know the answer is pizza, But then there are things that we we do know that are clearly stated in the Scriptures. That God's will for us is to be holy, sanctified, to flee immorality, to love God, to love our neighbors, to love others, to do justice and mercy, to belong in a meaningful sense to His community. No Christian with access to a Bible should have to wonder what is God's will for my life. No Christian with a Bible should have to wonder what is God's will for my life. And man, where we live, we have no excuse for that. Like I mean, we we have it on our phones. As a church, we've got these 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 Bibles, these paperbacks. If you don't own a Bible, Take one with you from the connect table outside. Like We want to give that to you as our gift to to you, right? No Christian with a Bible should have to wonder what is God's will for their life. Kevin DeYoung, I love the way he puts it in his book, Just Do Something, on finding the will of God. Kevin DeYoung says, the most important issues for God that we see in the scriptures are moral purity, theological fidelity, compassion, joy, our witness to others, faithfulness, hospitality, love, worship, and faith. These things are his big concerns. The problem is that we tend to focus most of our attention on everything else. DeYoung says, we obsess over the things that God has not mentioned and may never mention, while by contrast, we spend little time on all the things that God has already revealed to us in his word, in the Bible. Oswald Chambers. Um, you guys know Oswald Chambers? He wrote like one of the most popular devotionals called My Utmost for His I think it was the first devotional I ever read. Oswald Cham- Chambers, in, uh, in, uh, in one of the uh, daily entries for his devotional, he gives this illustration of a man that's walking on this beaten path through the woods. And Chambers, in the devotional, he asks he asked the reader, he says, at what point will the man wonder where the path is? Only when he veers off the path. As long as the man walks on the path, Chambers says, he'll never have to ask where the path is. You see, Chambers says that we should be so much in contact with God. We should be so much in contact with God where we're walking with him that we just never have to ask him to show us his will because you're just already living it out. I mean, this is like Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 to a T, right? Like one of the most famous passages in Scripture, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge Him. Walk with Him. And He will make uh, you straight your paths. He will direct your paths. He will make straight your paths. You see, walking with God is both making much of Him with our hearts, but it's also doing much for Him with our lives. We're actively trusting Him by the way that we live out in obedience to His Word. And when we do that, we find ourselves in the center of God's will. Read on to verse 2 with me of Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Paul continues his thought, and he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this is our second main point to how we discover God's will for our lives as we read his word read his word that's how you renew your mind is by reading his word if you want to know the will of god then you must be in the word of god and let it transform you let it renew your mind that's the power that God has over our minds is that it renews our minds. Paul says this in 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 3. He says, all Scripture, all the Bible, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. See, renewing your mind doesn't happen from just reading the scriptures and memorizing words from the pages, but it's from truly reading the scriptures where you study it. You sit in it you let your mind marinate in it so it starts to ooze out in the way that you live your life and then it starts to change the way you think to when you start to think God's thoughts after him you start to think aligned with the will of God think of it this way Uh, For several months before we moved into this space as a church, into this room, we met in the back room of another church in town, just a few blocks down the road. Really generous church. Uh, They charged us a really cheap rate, allowed us to keep all our stuff there. And we met in the back room of this church, uh, uh, of, of their youth room that they weren't using. And when we moved to this location even though it was just a few blocks down the road, I had to get used to that change, right? Like I used to, from my house, make a left on Alma Aldea, and now I make a right, and then I'm right right here. I'm not a morning person, so I'm not like my brightest in the morning, so this took me like a few times to get used to that. The more I got acquainted with the new directions, the less I had to think about it. It just became natural. We go, yeah, that's right, we meet meet at the school across the street from my house now. You see, when we trust in Jesus, he not only gives us a new heart, but he gives us a new mind too. And he continues to renew our minds with his word. That's how we get the new mind, is through the power of his word. What we need for the Lord to do for us, more than anything, what we need for the Lord to do for us as we slip into 2020 is exactly this. We need a renewal of our minds. You know what a renewal of mind does for you? Gives you a newer way to see everything. A truer way to see everything. A truer way to see the people around us, to see our friends, our families, the way that we see uh, our bodies, our talents, our money, just the way that we view the will of God. When we spend time in God's Word, not only does our heart begin to change, but the way that we think begins to change. And look, that is why we desperately need the Word of God. We desperately need the Word of God. It's not just information and words on pages. It's life. It is God-breathed life. God-breathed the words that change us and that renew us. Hebrews 4.12. I'm going to read a few verses in Scripture that, that, that kind of hammer home to us just the power that God's will has over us. In Hebrews 4, it says the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That tells us, look, apart from God's word, you can't trust your own thoughts and intentions, right? You might find yourself on this off this, the, the, the beaten spiritual path, so the word of God though is living it's 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 active it 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 it's sharp sharp enough to carve away the wrong ways of thinking, to pierce us and to convict us when we've gotten off the path. It discerns our thoughts and intentions. Or what about John chapter 6, when Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. In other words, the Spirit of God will give you life. Apart from that, if you try to do it by your own flesh, by your own power and might, that's not going to get you anywhere. And then Jesus says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Well, Let's go to Old Testament. What about Isaiah 55, verse 11? When God says through the prophet Isaiah, he says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is never written and out there in the world in vain. God's word has a purpose. One of those purposes is to renew our minds. And as he says, the purposes for which God sent out his word will succeed, the prophet says, You want to know how much God wants His will in your life? He wants it more than you do. God wants His will in your life even more than you think you want it in your life. He put His Spirit in you. He put His Spirit, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity is is in you. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, I understand that, that some of us might not be, but if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then God has placed His Spirit in you. And John 14 says that one of the roles of the Spirit is to lead us and to guide our thoughts and decisions. So that's why Paul can say with confidence Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's why reading the Bible is so vital to the Christian life. Some of us want to discover God's will, for our lives in one area of life but another area of life that his words does speak clearly on we directly disobey his will if we want to show if we want God to show us his will but we're like flirting with sin on the side then it is, is it really God's will that we care about and we know his word I mean, we need to spend time in the Word, and look. I know that reading the Bible regularly, like reading the Bible each day, is is hard work. Like we're all busy, right? We're all busy, but that's pro- part of the problem, isn't it? We'll make time for other things, like John Mark Comer in his uh, book, "The Ruthless and Elimination of, Hur- of Hurry." He did this. He 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 uh, disclosed this. Uh, study, and he 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 talks about how if you if you take all the time that we spend watching like a single episode of our favorite Netflix shows a night, if you take that time and instead read the Bible, you'll get through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation by June. And look. I'm not knocking Netflix, right? I've got like my favorite shows like on my list, like ready to roll. Uh, I'm not knocking Netflix, but I am knocking our excuse that we're too busy to drink from the fountain of life. John Ortberg puts it this way: He says, "Many of, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we will, we will become so distracted." And rushed and preoccupied, that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living our lives. Do what you can to read God's Word. Download an app to hold you accountable. I mean, there's free apps. Download the Bible app. My wife Alyssa is going through the chronological plan with, with Shelly. And they're taking notes on the app and they, they get notifications on, on their notes and their thoughts and insights that they see from it. And it's just a few chapters a day. You can do that with a friend. Read God's Word. Study it. Memorize it. Pray God's Word. The more you are in God's Word, the more you will get acquainted with God's will and purposes. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to get more acquainted with God's will and purpose for your life? We have such a short amount of time on this side of death. For some of us in this room, it's going to be shorter than we think. The more we get acquainted with God's, the more we're in God's word, the more we get acquainted with his will, and the more you'll get acquainted with his voice even in small decisions. You'll be able to better discern, Paul says, the will of God. You'll be able to discern the voice of God. Some of you have known my wife and I for a while. You know um, that uh, one of the uh, sort of cute things we call each other is we, we call each other lovey. Kind of like love and baby, like lovey, right? As we stick them together, I don't know, right? So cool. Uh, but... Uh, we call each other "lovey," and I have no idea how it started or who. How it started, but it, I mean, we've been doing it for, 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 for years. Uh, and so when when my wife calls me, even if I don't see her name on the phone, if I if I if I answer the phone, and I say hello, and she says, "Hey, lovey," I'm not gonna be like, "Who's this?" <laughs> right? If there's only one person who talks to me that way. There's only one person who calls me that name, and I know her voice. I've gotten acquainted with it. I I, I know it. I know how she speaks, and I know the words that she speaks. You want to know the voice of God? Who doesn't want to know the voice of God? Do you want to know the voice of God? Then be in the Word. Get to know how he speaks. And you'll be able to discern his will, his voice, and even the small stuff of life. In a long before we, we planted King's Cross Church, like five years before we planted the church, uh, uh, Alyssa and I uh, were uh, at this church uh, that ended up, uh, at, at, at the time, it was just a really um, awful, like bad, sort of toxic leadership side towards a situation. We were getting burned out and beaten up uh, about the leadership there. Uh, my wife was on staff. Uh, I, I served in a leadership capacity, too, and and, and we had a, a friend uh, of a local church who in, invited uh, Alyssa and I to go on to this retreat uh, to where they were just, uh, it was like a ministry that was uh, specifically catered to, to care for uh, uh, people in ministry uh, uh, who are either burnt out or on the verge of burnout and uh, they just cared for us uh, for a few days and on, I think it was like the second or third day they gave us this assignment to, to go have an extended amount of prayer time I think it was like four or six hours it was like just go with your Bible read God's word just pray and, and see if God might do something in, in your heart and so we we did that each separately uh, and uh, I, I went and I was actually reading uh, through the gospel uh, of Mark uh, and I started uh, uh, these people just started coming to mind uh, as I was reading about the life of Jesus and his mission and his ministry and um, I was, it was like I was starting to get reacquainted with and just falling in love with Jesus again. And, and, and as I was reading the gospel of Mark, I started thinking of uh, people that I knew who don't know this Jesus. I'm like, man, I want those people to come to know him. So I started praying about it. And, um, I had a, uh, a friend that was supposed to plant a church in South Orange County and it, some things happened in his life and he ended up not doing that and so uh, we you know I was praying that God would uh, at the time I was praying that God would send someone else to plant that church in South Orange County so I could join his team but then on this moment of extended prayer I started to sense man I feel like God's calling us to plant this church like I want, I want these people that I know to come to, to know Jesus, to meet him, and to worship him as God. And so we, I, I kind of had this, this moment where I was thinking about that. I was just terrified at the idea of it. And then we, we reconvene uh, later in the day over dinner. Uh, and, uh, and our friend, uh, who's sort of presiding over this week for us, uh, he, he asked us, like, Hey like uh, how was your time in prayer? Did you feel like God's stirring anything in your heart? Uh, and I was like, you know uh, i don't I don't know if this is from the, the Lord or not like I want to pray about this more i want I want to test this out and see what other people think but i i I, I kind of feel like um God was stirring in my in my heart that um, we should be in, in involved in a church plant in South Orange County, maybe plant uh, a church. And, and my friend's wife, who was with us on the trip, she immediately looked at Alyssa and she's like, Alyssa, what do you think about that? And I'm thinking like, man, this is the moment, right? Because he's going to, she asked Alyssa that question. And Alyssa's going to be like, no, that's crazy. And I'll be like, okay, like maybe that's, Maybe this isn't something we should consider right now, but one day, uh, when she asked Alyssa, "What do you think about that?" Uh, Alyssa said, "You know, it's the craziest thing because, like, I, I've been feeling like we're supposed to plant a church in South Orange County." Uh, she's like, "I just never heard you say anything about it, Chris. So I thought maybe, you know, like this isn't this isn't a thing." And that was like the first budding seeds. Of, of, of dreaming and a vision and prayer that would eventually become King's Cross Church. I and mean, this was years ago. It was like another, like, what, four or five years before we actually started praying with people and meeting with people and having prayer and vision gatherings uh, and then trainings, like, in, 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 in our house. And, man, I was just thinking about it this week and, like, all that God has done and, and the things that he put together to make this all happen. And it's like, dude, I could have never planned this. I could have never made it happen the way that it did. I was looking at pictures of some of our most recent baptisms, and I'm like, man, praise God for what he's done, right? Praise God. As we walk with God, we're in his word. He carries us into his will. He directs the details of our lives. And to be clear, look, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Often, the will of God is not easy or comfortable. It doesn't mean that His will will always make sense to us. That's why it took us years uh, to act on it, to get the, the until until we felt like we had the support we needed. And that's why we need to remember that this is all about His will. It's about God's will for our lives. It's about His purposes. Living out the will of God is all for His glory, not our comfort. Right? So if you want to to know what is God's will for your life in 2020, if you want to know what is God's will for your life in any year, you need to understand that God's will for your life is all for His glory and not for your comfort. It's been said that the best or safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And that's certainly true in some sense, but it's also true that maybe the hardest place to be is in the center of God's will. But there we get God. Look, are you more concerned about God's glory or your comfort? Do you trust that His will, as Paul says, is good, acceptable, and perfect? He says do these things. Live as a a living sacrifice. Renew your mind by the Word and then you'll be able to, to test and discern. In other words, to have a taste for God's will. Maybe Maybe instead of asking, what is your will for my life this year, Lord? Maybe instead of asking that question, you can declare, I want to align with your will, Lord. Maybe instead of asking, what is your will for my life this year, Lord? You can declare, I want to align with your will, Lord. This year, I want to set aside my agenda, my plans, my will, my comfort, and I want to worship you in a way that will spread your glory to the people around me. To where the way that I live, the way that I talk, the the manner of of which I I am is a witness to you in my home, in my street, in my workplace. Look, the will of God is clear throughout the scriptures that ultimately, from the first page to the very last, God's will is to be glorified, to be made much of through us. For his goodness, for his glory, for his grace to spread as people come to hear receive and respond to the gospel that has been god's will all throughout history and all throughout the earth (coughs) this is why jesus's first command to his disciples was follow me and i will make you fishers of men it's also why Jesus prayed that God would be with them, with his disciples, with us. He said, Jesus prayed, and he said, just as, He said, Father, just as you've sent me into the world, now I send them. Now I send my disciples. It's also why Jesus' last, last words to his disciples was, Go! Go and make disciples of all nations. God's will is that the gospel would spread through us. That when we walk with him, when we worship him, when we read his word, our minds are renewed and we get to participate, set us apart by God for his purposes. We get the privilege of participating in his sovereign will for his glory to spread to the ends of the earth and throughout history. Do you want to find yourself in the will of God this year? Do you want to find yourself in the center of God's will for your life this year? It would be foolish to say no. If you do want to find yourself in the center of God's will for you this year, then read his Word, spend time with him, walk with him, get to know his ways, and then walk in those ways. Remember, when you walk with God and read his word, he carries you into his will. When you walk with God and read his word, he will carry you into his will for his glory and for the good of others. Maybe here this morning, you've never actually put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. My encouragement to you is that you would pray and and just during this next time of communion that you would pray, God, I want to be in the center of your will. Save me. Save me. Lead me. Maybe see and notice that God has directed your steps under his sovereign care, that you would be here this morning. For those of us who are disciples, who are followers of Jesus, let's walk with God in the light of his mercies. Let's walk with him as an act of true worship. Let's walk with him Let's read his word and say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to trust you. Lord, my greatest need is to walk in the center of your will. To live in ways that maybe you can't even imagine right now. When you walk with God, read his word. He will carry you into his will for his glory and the good of others. Amen. That is the will of God for
0: you this year. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.